Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. I'm here today with my guest, Lauren Rosenthal. So thank you so much for being here today, Lauren. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this. All right, so let's start with introducing yourself to the audience. For sure. So I'm Lauren Rosenthal. I have a background in occupational therapy. Um, I graduated back in 2013 with my OT degree and have just recently within the last six months transitioned into the data analysis space. So totally different a realm, arena, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I'm excited to kind of share my story and talk to you about all the things and how I can help other people get to maybe where I am. Awesome. And before we get deep into your journey, tell the audience how we know each other. We met through LinkedIn. So I think that you reached out a few months ago, at least. And we, you know, we've, we've had a couple of conversations and I totally, as I am want to do, forget to reply to people on LinkedIn. (laughs) I'm glad that I like finally went back and searched through all my messages and I like remembered your name and your message. And I was like, Oh no, I forgot to do this. So I'm really glad that like that this our conversation stuck out in my head because otherwise I don't think I'd be here. I'm so glad it did too. And I'm glad you reached back out. And I wanted people to know that because I've talked to so many people about the benefits of LinkedIn and networking and how I've met people online, offline, who have become colleagues and friends and collaborators. And I think that some people just don't realize how valuable the LinkedIn platform can be. And it's different than other platforms, right? Oh, completely. I I mean, like LinkedIn is the only real social media that I like take part in, which is so funny because I have not a huge following of people, but like enough people following me that it's, you know, I've, I've told my mom before and she's like, whoa, what? Like, why are, why are people, why are people following you? What does that mean? But you know, it's been like, it's been so cool to actually like reach out and make connections with people that like feel more real and more quality than some of the the Facebook connections or just like, you know, the the Instagram follows. Like I've had conversations with people and, you know, to some extent, like it's kind of helped me get my current job, which is crazy. The same thing for me. I've got my current job by connecting with a recruiter on LinkedIn. I've made a lot more meaningful connections than some of the other platforms. So it's it's been remarkable. So let's talk about your journey. All right. OT 2013. When did you decide that it was not for you anymore. I would say within the first two months of my first job, my first job was in a school for students who had emotional disabilities. And most of them lived on campus all the time. And I was super excited to get started there. And then for whatever reason, it just like never felt like a good fit. And I didn't have the right support um, that I really wish that I would have had coming into my first OT job. And so within four months of that job, I had actually quit. And like, I remember I was still living with my parents at that point. And I remember going home and being like, mom, I think I made a big mistake. 
So that was kind of like the first like big red flag of, oh, whoops, like maybe this was not my best choice. So I think from that point on, I kind of always felt like this was not, you know, this was never going to be my forever career. And I think a lot of other people in the, in, in our space in particular, kind of like get the same feedback. And I still, I, I still see it today on like, alternative career Facebook groups and stuff where it's like, oh no, I don't like what I'm doing. And people are like, well, have you tried this setting? Have you tried that setting? Have you done this? Have you like, you know, all of the different things. And so I left that job, decided to pick up and move from Pennsylvania to Colorado. And I got a job at a skilled nursing facility out there. I stayed there for about a year and loved my coworkers, hated the job. I did pediatric home health in Colorado, which was kind of cool because it was Colorado has a cool way of doing things where like it's I want to say zero to 18 is pediatric. You can get pediatric home health, which is not Uh typical in like other places. So that was another one where like I wasn't miserable, Mm -hmm. but I also knew that that was not the, you know, I didn't want to do that to myself for the next, however long, like I was putting tons of miles on my car. I I had back pain and shoulder pain all the time because I was driving so much. And that was, that was just two years of my life. So that was kind of where I thought like maybe pediatrics was where I wanted to go. So I, ended up moving back to Pennsylvania to be close to my family after that. And I got into a school setting. So I was in schools for five years, basically. And I think, you know, same, the biggest reason I lasted as long as I did was because of my coworkers and my colleagues. Like I I really enjoyed the people that I worked with, but you know, even my, my real decision to leave when I knew for sure, like, you know, I've tried things. I've, I haven't found anything like that was, that happened about five years ago when I was really starting to consider what else can I do with this degree and with my skill set? Um, and it just kind of took me five years from that point to like really make the move. What were you thinking at first? So you said, no, I don't want to do OT. I don't want to do pediatrics and mm-hmm. I want to do something else. What did you start looking into at that time? So it was, I think that like my ideal would have always been tech based. Uh And so when I moved back to Pennsylvania, I kind of had time to research and I came across this thing called UX design and I had never heard of it before. It's the UX's user experience. And so basically that is looking at how people interact with different websites and trying to make it as intuitive and easy as possible for those people. And like coming from a background where that's essentially what we do with our everyday lives is trying to help people succeed, meet whatever in whatever they're trying to do. It seemed like that would be a really cool use of my skill set. And I was really interested in it for a while. So I took a UX boot camp and that was back in 2017. And then I got, I got scared off. I started doing the research and I was, you know, on, on UX subreddits and I was seeing how hard everybody said it was to get your first job and how you need a portfolio of projects. And I like just felt so overwhelmed that I stopped. Uh-huh. Like I, I finished the boot camp and that was the end of it. I didn't even, I did not apply to a single job. And I kind of dropped it for a little while and I was like, all right, well, this is, you know, if I'm not willing to put in the work, obviously this is not where I'm meant to go. So then I thought maybe like front end web development. So things like HTML, CSS, building actual websites was kind of going to be the thing. And somewhat similar, I did not spend the same money on a bootcamp because I didn't succeed the first time around. But I did, I took courses and I liked HTML and I liked CSS and I liked all of those like coding languages. And then I got to a certain point and 
I just kind of put it to the side and never picked it back up. And so I think that the biggest impetus for me actually making this move is I was at a school and I was lucky enough to only be at one school where I'm sure many OTs are, you know, it's actually many OTs and PTs especially know that like if you're in a school, typically you're in four schools, five schools per week. But I was in a school and I was lucky enough to only be in one and I had a great group of people that I was working with. And they all kind of slowly started leaving. One of them moved away. Another one, you know, my my special ed director left. And I realized the only thing that had kept me in OT and at that particular place for so long was the people I was working with. And that was not a place where I wanted to be anymore. I wanted to enjoy the work enough that it didn't matter who I was working with. Like that was the people would be a perk. The job would be what I really wanted to do. So that was kind of like where it finally hit me that like, this is actually something I need to be really serious about and think about. And I just happened to stumble upon data analysis at the very, very right time. Now, what do you mean by the right time? I started thinking about where I really wanted to be. I will say that like COVID kind of put a pause in all these plans because working at a school, you know, I was home for almost a year and a couple of things happened for that for me during that time. I realized I loved working from home. Um, mm-hmm. I loved being able to be in my own space. But at that point in time, my job was so low key. I had so many students not come to my sessions and I was still getting paid for that time. And so it was, it didn't feel like the same like mental load. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of just like floating through a little bit. And I, went back to in-person school. My best friend had moved at that point from the school. And back in January, when I really found data analysis, I had just learned that my special ed director was leaving. She was definitely gone. And the counselor that I was really close to, she was going to leave. And, you know, that was, those were my big three people at the school. And so it really made me start to be like, wow, this is not a place that I want to be without this support. And so I think that's kind of what I mean by right time, right place. Like it just happened to coincide with a lot of other changes and a lot of other people leaving. And it finally made me be like, wow, this needs to be something that I think about. Right. So I'm curious to know, and I'm sure our audience may be curious as well. You chose data analytics, but then chose to get out of healthcare altogether. Not data in healthcare, which some people do, clinical data Mm -hmm. um, related to patient care and outcomes and those kind of things. What made you leave healthcare altogether? I think I was a little bit jaded. I think that I was over healthcare. I really felt like I was frustrated with our system and I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. What's really interesting for me though, is like, so I was in a school and I was still doing OT obviously at the school, but I I enjoyed teaching and I really liked being able to like help guide people in that way. So when I looked at data, my first data job, which, you know, (laughs) was actually also only about three months, it was in health insurance. And it was great. But again, part of that was because I found data, I do find data very interesting and I like being able to do it. But again, it was partially the people that I was working with that were awesome. And at the same time, like being at a health insurance company, I I almost felt like I was contributing to this like healthcare problem that we have. Cause it was, you know, I was was looking at, at healthcare claims and all of this stuff that like, I was just on the other side of the system that I found frustrating and it kind of made me be, you know, so I I was able to find this position that I'm at now where 
I still can do data, but I also can kind of tie in that enjoyment of helping other people and helping like help teach them. And so I think like I'm coming almost from the other side of OT where it's like part, you know, you can be in, you can be in a hospital, a skilled nursing facility, whatever, or you can be on that like kind of school side of things. And so, you know, obviously like the schools is much less health care based. It's a lot of like fine motor skills, sensory, sensory integration, that kind of stuff. So it, I kind of think that even when I was out of school, I was taking a step back from healthcare, if that makes sense. Like it was much yeah, less yeah. medical based. So what do you do within data now? I actually just started a, a new job last week. So I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm kind Congratulations. of, thank you. It was unexpected to say the least. I, I'm currently doing a couple of different things. So I work for an ed tech company, which is kind of, I think, what my end goal was always going to be. That was where I was applying when I first started applying for data jobs and I just wasn't getting a response. So I'm at an ed tech company that actually teaches data analysis. So I am doing a couple of things. I'm helping students with when they're learning SQL. So that's like the main language that I write queries in. So I'm doing that. I am working on some of the data analysis for the actual company. So like seeing what's driving their, you know, the the traffic on their site, seeing what kind of like return on investment we get and all of that stuff. And then I'm also working kind of as an account executive for them. So um, working with the companies they contract with to help those companies' employees learn data. So it's kind of a mishmash of things. And it's not purely data analysis anymore, which I think is so interesting because like, that was originally what I intended was to be doing data analysis full time. And that quickly is not what actually ended up happening. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot of variety. Do you think you'll like the variety? I think so. I um, So the company I'm with now is a startup. And just to give a little bit of background, the first company I was with, the health insurance company, was like 2,500 employees, maybe. Um, it started out as a startup and has now become bigger. And I was purely doing that data stuff. And I was just working on data. Um, and like as a, as a first job, it was it was great. And I learned a ton. And then this new company is, I want to say less than 40 employees. It's like very much startup culture. And I realized being at that health insurance company that I do enjoy the variety. I enjoy kind of being involved more in like knowing what's going on, why we're making the decisions we're making. And so I think like all of that combined with the fact that I do enjoy kind of having different jobs and different like responsibilities, I do think it'll be a good fit. Okay. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, let's go back a little bit and talk about how long it took you from the time. So you initially were doing or thinking about UX. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I love is that you continuously invested in yourself. Um, but then you said, OK, UX is not it. I'm going to do data. From the time that that decision was made, that data is where you wanted to go. How long did it take you to get your first job in data? I'm sure I knew in some part of my head that data analytics was a thing that existed. But Mm -hmm. I always kind of say like the easy way I can explain it is like I learned about data analytics back in 
maybe January of 2022. So just about a year ago, I came across a TikTok talking about data analytics and the girl was talking about how she got into it without having a a degree in it. And she went from like making, I don't know, $70,000 to like $160,000 a year in four years. And That sounds really nice. I I had been making the same amount for like five years. And so I was like, whoa, that's cool. And she started talking about like SQL and what she did with it. And I was, I thought that was sounded really interesting. So that was back in January. I started kind of really looking at data in, I would say, February of 2022. And then I started applying for jobs in June or early July. I was not expecting to get a job as quickly as I did because one of the first companies I interviewed with was the health insurance company. And that happened mid-August and they offered me a job. So I started my first data job in mid-September. So it took me about nine, nine and a half months from the time that I was like, data is it to let I started my first job. Okay. So what do you think contributed to your transition the most? I think a couple of different things. I do think that like I was able to figure out a course of action that like taught me the skills that I needed. So I did do a couple of different certificate programs and I did like the Google data analytics certificate, which is a big one. And then I did a certificate called break into tech, which was one that I had found um, through that the, the same girls TikTok actually. So that helped a lot. But I think that more than anything, like It was about what I did after that. So I networked a lot on LinkedIn. I did projects to kind of show like, I didn't just list on my resume. Yes, I know this, this and this. I was able to kind of demonstrate here are the skills that I'm telling you that I know. And here's how I can show you that I know them. And I think that I applied to the right kind of jobs. So I did leverage my my healthcare background. And that I think is how I ended up as a, at a health insurance company to start with, because I was able to say like, no, I don't have I don't have that same level of skill, maybe in data analytics, but I do have a healthcare background. And I think that that can be really beneficial to the company. So I think it was a lot of that, but it was also... And I like I hate to say it because like it just it just happens that it was also kind of right time right place luck mm-hmm. kind of thing like I, it was this particular company saw my resume and my cover letter and they were willing to give me a chance to interview and before I left that company I talked to the manager and I was like how how did you decide that you were going to offer me a job knowing that I didn't have this experience and he basically said you interviewed well so it's a little bit hard for me to be like. Let me pinpoint exactly what contributed because part of it was luck and part of it was apparently the fact that I did interview well, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, but it just so happens that was kind of the way it went. But it's so interesting because I tell my clients all the time and I tell clinicians all the time that you have to really be able to demonstrate the skill on your resume versus just saying that you have this skill and having portfolios and projects and stuff like that helps. And so I like to say that the resume, the job of the resume is to get you to the interview. So yes, you did interview well, but something got you to that point that they decided to give you an interview, right? right. So I personally think it was having those projects that showed what you were able to do based on the courses that you took, not just that you had this random certification that you never used, right? Definitely. And that also like, not only did the projects help me kind of say like, here, look at my skills, I can do this. They also gave me a ton of confidence going into the interview, knowing that I was going to be asked about them and being able to say like, 
yep, this is the data set that I worked with. This is how I cleaned it. This is how I prepared it. This is, you know, these are the queries that I ran to find out X, Y, and Z answer. Like it just gave me a lot of confidence to say, yes, I know what I'm doing. So that was a big one for me. And I also like, I do think that part of being able to get your foot in the door with that resume is making it sound more like what you're applying for. So I I had to do a lot of work going back into my resume and trying to figure out ways to make what I was doing sound more data-based, you know, was challenging, but like, and on, that might've actually been one of the harder parts for me is just like trying to figure out how to frame my experience in a, in a more analytical way to say like, I don't have the skill, I don't have the title of data an- analyst in these roles, but to some extent that was what I was doing. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of clinicians or people who are even moving out of patient care, they focus their resumes on how many patients did I see and what populations were they and what settings. And I like that you said that you took what you were doing in the clinical role and said, this is how I was also doing data with that. Right. And for data in particular, I feel like healthcare professionals have so much that we have to think about. We have to worry about how many patients are making progress? What percentage of progress, you know, are they going from 50% independent to 95% independent? How am I tracking that? What does like, what does my data look like in itself? Am I dealing with EMR? Am I dealing with like all of these systems that involve data? And then kind of going from there and trying to think, okay, how can I frame this in a way that puts those parts of my job responsibilities and my job duties on display. Yeah, I think that's huge. I'm I'm so glad you shared that because I think that's what probably helped to get you to that interview. And then you were able to rock the interview because you were confident and you knew what you were talking about and they liked your personality and your fit um, and whatever else they were looking for. But once I get to that point for them to even make the decision that we want to hire Lauren. Yeah. And it definitely, like the interview or not the interview, I'm sorry, the resume was a huge part. Um, And I did like, I, I did have a a resume. She's not, she's not a resume writer, um, but I had a resume reviewer kind of go over my resume with me and kind of like help me figure out different ways to frame what I was doing. And that was truly like, it was worthwhile and it was helpful for me. It's funny because the resume that, she and I worked on together was actually post applying to this job. So it is now an even more strong resume, but it is not the resume resume I used to apply to that job. Um, That's but, very interesting. So you had a good resume and then that person who helped you help make it better. Yeah. And she also like, she helped me think about things like, she has a very, very interesting way of approaching resumes. Like she's not a person who says, take everything off that was it's 10 years old or older. She's kind of a person who says like, if you can use an experience that you had back in college that really sh- demonstrates this skill, put it on there. Right. Show, use everything you can. And so like one of the things that we talked about was I had written a couple of LinkedIn articles with another healthcare professional who was, who was leaving. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, is this something that I should should showcase on my resume. And she was like, absolutely put that on there. Talk about how you've written articles, talk about how, you know, how you're doing all of these things on LinkedIn, like that can only help. And it was just like, it was, it was a good background for me. It was, it was good knowledge for me to have, even if it wasn't what I ended up using on, like, I didn't need to use it on my resume, but I'm glad that I now have that. But you were able to also speak to it. I don't know if it came up in the interview or if it's something that you were able to use as an experience or an example or something, but you had that to pull from too, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was, it was, it was very helpful. Okay. So what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do? Um, so I would definitely say, start working on courses. Um, the, you know, I think that the, the big thing is always you need Excel, SQL, and some kind of data visualization tool. So a course or courses that encompass all of that. Start working as soon as you can on projects. So find a data set that interests you or find a data set that you can work with and put what you're learning to that project and show that you have the skills. And at the same time, it kind of reinforces your learning. I would say start networking on LinkedIn, reach out to other data analysts who are, you know, who have transitioned or who are in that field and talk to them about like what their day-to-day looks like. Make sure it's something that really interests you. Ask any data analyst for any advice because one of the things that I've seen is that we all get to the same place in such vastly different ways. Like there are plenty of people that I've spoken to who started out as a teacher or started out as, you know, one of the people that I talk to a lot, her name is Annie, and she was an OT student and she found data in the middle of of her grad school and she got into data after grad school. She didn't even go into OT. But, you know, so many of us get to this position in a different in a different way. And so there's so many different like paths you can take. So talk to as many people as you can and try to kind of determine like what path works for you. Revamp the resume. Make sure that you're that you're like showcasing those data skills that you definitely have. You just maybe are not showcasing and displaying in the right way right now. And I think like. I think that applying strategically to jobs, make sure that it's a company that you would be interested in working for, but play to your strengths. I think that like one of the things that I realized was that first job, as long as it gets your foot in the door, it does not have to be your forever job. Right. Um, I knew very, very early on that like at some point in time, I would want to be out of the healthcare space entirely. And I didn't think it was going to happen quite as quickly as it did. But I also knew like, you know, healthcare is a great, getting into a health insurance company is a great way for me to leverage the skills that I already possess. So I think it's it's a combination of all those things, learning the skills, demonstrating the skills, networking, doing all of that stuff and really like figure out what the path is and then follow that path. One of the things that I did that I would not recommend people do is like, I took probably eight different courses on SQL. And I always started from the very, very, very beginning. And once you learn like that very first SQL statement, you do not need to go back and relearn it seven times because it's going to be the exact same thing. And I didn't really have that strategic course plotted out of, okay, I'm going to take this course and then this course and then this course, and then I'm going to start applying. It was like, let me do this tutorial, this tutorial, that Udemy course, this certificate program, this Mm -hmm. tutorial. And it kind of like, it worked out for me in the end, but it was definitely not the straightest line from learning to job. Yeah, I like that you said to be strategic because I find that a lot of people when they want to get out of healthcare or want to get away from the bedside, they just start throwing darts at the wind and they're applying at all these places and it gets frustrating because they don't have a clear path or they don't really know what direction and they kind of want the employer to figure out where they can fit mm-hmm. versus I know where I want to fit and where I think my skills align and therefore I'm going to apply for this position with this company. 
And I get being so ready to get out of healthcare or get out of, you know, bedside care that you're willing to kind of just like do anything, but clicking the easy apply button on LinkedIn to 150 different jobs is not going to get you the job that you want. And I think like, you're right, being strategic and trying to figure out exactly what you want to do while it might take you a little bit longer. I think that you're going to find that you're more successful in like honing in on how, what you want to do and what steps you need to take to get there. Okay. Um, Do you think that you'll keep your OT license or do you think you will kind of let it go now that you're not in healthcare? Um, I still have like a very real fear of at some point ending up like needing it again. So I will at least for now keep it. You know, I did put a lot of really hard work and time and money into getting the degree Uh and if I let go of the license and ever needed to like take the the boards again, I don't know that I would pass at this point in time. Same. I, I yeah. do not want to take the boards again. I will keep my PC license until I can't keep it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of already dreading the fact that I'm going to need a lot of continuing ed in the next couple of months to like maintain. But I also like my plan as of now is to keep it. I, my preference would be not to ever go back into that field, but having the like the support and the background of like knowing it's there just in case is probably worth it. Yeah. And I know we're in different states, but just as a side note, I know that in Georgia, for physical therapy, at least they count other things other than just direct patient care CEUs. And some of it doesn't even have to be labeled as a CEU to count towards the license. So I would encourage you to look to see if all those data courses that you took can translate to your OT license, because that may save you so much time. And I know that's kind of off topic, but look into your state to see, you know, if some of that would be transferable so that you don't have to now take a bunch of courses, random courses, right? For sure. No, I I absolutely will. I know I had a friend at one point who's an OT. I think she like did it, but a little bit backwards. Like she said she took all these courses and then she, they, they came back to her and they're like, okay, well you need to prove that these are like related to your degree or your, to your license. Uh Um, So maybe like doing it the other way around and making sure I can, I can use those courses first would be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So last question, how can my network support you and the work that you do or get in touch with you? Um, So I think that at this point in time, like, honestly, for me, it's more about supporting other people and getting where they want to be. Like I said, I take a ton of like satisfaction in helping other people and answering questions. Even if I'm not always the best at getting back on LinkedIn, like sooner or later, I will reply. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think If people want to follow me on LinkedIn at Lauren Rosenthal, or if you want to message me and ask questions, I am so happy to talk about my journey and what I did and what I would maybe do differently the next time around. But yeah, if people want to follow me and get in touch, connect with me, I'm, I would be more than happy to talk anytime. Awesome. Well, Lauren, I thank you so much for being here. Thank you for responding to my message on LinkedIn. And I mean, I've just really enjoyed our conversation. And I know you've been having some other talks too that people have listened to. So if you haven't seen Lauren before this um, recording, then check her out on LinkedIn because there's some other um, talks that she's had too. Thank you so much for joining in. Your support means everything. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share this episode with your friends and colleagues, and rate the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I'd love to hear from you, so find me on LinkedIn at BrandyDPT or on my website 
at www.definingpointcc.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.